Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I'm your host, Philip Van Dusen. And today, I'm really excited because I'm here with a friend of mine, Amy Woods. And Amy is an expert in content repurposing. And she's the founder of Content 10X, which is a niche creative agency. She helps content creators grow their audiences by maximizing their return on the content they create. She works with businesses, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders as a content repurposing powerhouse behind their businesses. She's also the host of the Content 10X podcast, which is an amazing podcast. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. You should check that out. And she's an author of a best-selling book called Content 10X, More Content, Less Time, Maximum Results. She also speaks on stages around the world. She's spoken at PodFest, uh, Multimedia Expo, Podcast Movement, the Upreneur Summit in London. I actually saw her speak there, and Radio Days, amongst a bunch of other places. So with that, I welcome Amy Woods. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me. That's a really nice introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Amy and I have known each other for a little while, and we've met in person in London a couple times. And as I said, I've seen her speak, and I know that she is one of... One of the people in the forefront, I think, of really popularizing con- uh, content repurposing. I've learned a lot of what I know about it from you and your content. And so why don't you share a little bit about yourself and let people get to know you a little better? Yeah, sure. I mean, after the lovely introduction, I feel like anything I say now could almost turn it downhill, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit about myself, yeah. So I um like going right back. So I was born in Canada. I'm half Canadian, half British. Well, kind of. I've got Canadian citizenship as well as British. I, um, I mean, before this world of content repurposing, I was a management consultant for a, a long time, actually, for 13 years um, with Accenture in the world of mergers and acquisitions and change management programs and things like that. And specifically, I worked in well the banking sector but also with um some companies like companies like Microsoft so some really interesting um accounts as well um and then yeah as you mentioned I started uh, content 10x so creative agency three and a half years ago actually now I, st- I still feel very much in startup phase even though when you say three and a half years it doesn't sound quite so startup um and um yeah we we focus on repurposing content for businesses so just helping them get the most value out of that content very much a creative agency um team of 11 people working at content 10x so um you know really happy with where we are at the moment um live in the uk got two little kids <laughs> that's about it for me <laughs> love to go cycling love getting for keeping fit um all of that awesome cycling that's uh, winter must be hard though in the uk the uk weather is tough I have to say. It's been a really, really, really cold winter. And I only took cycling up as a pandemic thing, actually, because I used mm. to love going to the gym. Um, and last March, when we went into lockdown, got the, the bike out of the shed, got the cobwebs off it and started to um, to to go, you know, really kind of started going cycling for the fresh air and exercise. But I've got really into it, actually. I got a new bike last week for my birthday and I got all the extra gear but it's yeah it's absolutely freezing you come back with like you can't move your fingers and your toes for about an hour after you get back from a long cycle but it's it's getting nicer here in the UK now so I'm looking forward to the fair weather riding again (laughs) yes aren't we all I tell you 
So that pivot that you kind of mentioned from finance and being a management consultant to doing content repurposing, like how did that even happen? Like how did that come into your life and where, where did that, um, where did that shift come about? Yeah. Well, basically I, you know, I I loved the career that I had as a management consultant, um, but it involved a a lot of travel. So it was, Mm. um, it, it was normal to be expected to leave your house on on the red eye on a Monday morning and they're very lucky if you ever got back on a Thursday night to usually be five days a week away. Um, so that was good in, in my 20s, I guess. Well, I say good. I mean, it was it was it was what we did. It was hard work, long hours, but you know, it was it was interesting work and interesting projects and things like that. But you no, know, I guess two things happened. Um, I had children, had the first, had the second, and you can't really just go away on a Monday and come back on a Friday when you've got <laughs> kids. Not and keep your husband. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> it would not work. Um, so, you know, then the, it was that. And, and I wanted, I couldn't be the best management consultant that I could be and the best parent that I could be at the same time. It was That was challenging. So I'd always mm. wanted to start my own business and it's really funny because when I got the job at Accenture it was just a two-year thing I remember saying to everybody a couple of years going to learn everything about business from some really bright people then I'm going to start my own business but then two years became three became four and so on and it just ended up mm-hmm. um you know as it goes you get promotions you're doing well you know I, I always thought that starting a business meant um coming up with some big in, invention, something different. It would be watching Dragon's Den. I don't know if you have that over, over, over with you guys, but Shark Tank, Shark Tank, same thing. Yes. Watching things like that and The Apprentice and things like that and just thinking, you know, what would my big idea be? And I guess, you know, the big idea never came. But then, you know, it came to the point where right, I need a career change now. I don't want to do all the travel anymore. I need to get out of consultancy. And it was it was funny in a kind of ironic way, but I, I had this period of ill health as well. So I'd been healthy. I didn't have barely one day off in my whole career until I became a bit poorly after having my second child. And I had this year where I was in and out of hospital all the time and constantly then mm. in recovery. And so I immersed myself in the world of online content. I guess I discovered podcasts. I discovered um, I was looking for online business information. So I discovered the kind of people you would expect in that category. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk and Pat Flynn and, um, I don't know, Chris Ducker, our friend Chris Ducker, um, all those kinds of people. And just learned that there was, you know, learned about the world of online business and digital marketing as well. Took courses, all sorts of things, you know, just fully immersed myself, reading books and things like that. And so I initially pivoted to a business where I was continuing with the business consultancy, but more in an online capacity. So I had a course and I was doing um, consultations and things like that online um, virtually. And I was creating content. So I was bought into the concept of content marketing, putting yourself out there, becoming known and all of that. So I was creating content. And I guess I started to repurpose the content I was creating um, because it's how my brain works. I'm very, um, very systematic, you know, kind of processes. And I'm always looking at ways to kind of optimize a process and not optimize any way of working, which just comes from the consultancy background. So I was like, right, I'll start with a video and then I'll repurpose that into a, pod, a podcast or repurpose that into a blog post and we'll snip those videos up for social media content and create some tweets from it, you know, a, a whole system of repurposing videos. And I had a team working with me, just freelancers, but a freelance designer, freelance writer, 
um, you know, pe just people helping move the different pieces of the puzzle, the different skill sets. And that's when I realized that there was a business opportunity there because people could create their content and then have one single uh, business, one single point of contact that manages the team that goes into complex repurposing. But so you don't have to juggle all those different freelancers or hire all these different roles in house, just have one trustworthy you know business one source in and out um in goes one piece of content out comes lots of other content so that got me really excited that was because I was I'm a creative person but I, I didn't get a lot of chance to be very creative in my professional career up to that point um from being really creative you know you can be creative with business you know come up with like great at solving problems with people's business challenges and things like that but not not creative in the way of you know, working with fun brands from the start and like design aspects, branding aspects, all that kind of thing. So it all just seemed to come together. Um, and then the business story is really, you know, just stepping, laying down stepping stones really. Started with just me and, you know, getting that first client and getting the second client and then bringing the first team member on. So were you at the beginning, I'm just saying interject, when it was just you, and you didn't have a team of 11, were you actually doing the content repurposing yourself? Were you doing the creative? Were you doing like the, you know, slicing and dicing and posting to extra places? Yeah, so when it... When it you were you were hands-on. Yeah, exactly. So I was, yeah, editing the podcast. So I learned podcast editing, video editing, um, writing. Um, yeah, I was, I was doing everything. But I must say that was probably only for the first client. And actually for two clients, I was doing everything um, and then brought in some support. But I'm, I am very hands-on. Like my team do laugh about that. Like only on Friday, um, something went really wrong with someone's audio that corrupted. And, and the team that would have done that were... Um, finish for the day you know so I jumped in and became podcast producer and, and I started from scratch and produced that audio and the team kind of laughed that I can be hands-on when I need to and it just comes from the fact that although I have different people in different roles now that fulfill the service that we offer um, I do know how to do each piece uh, you know I, I'm not an expert like they're an expert but I knew enough to serve our first couple of clients with just me um, before I started to bring in the support. And then again, that just comes from how much information is available online. Uh, you know, I taught myself the video editing and audio editing and like graphics and things like that from people's wonderful content on on YouTube and places like that. So you can, it's amazing what you can learn um, through content, isn't it? And to a certain extent, so that's what we both do now through our content, right? Is we teach other people what we've learned and what we know. And um, I take a great pride in that. And I love the fact I've always been a teacher. I love teaching. And so sharing everything that I know about branding and design and entrepreneurship, and you do the same thing. What is the kind of, what's the balance that you strike between your developing your own content and your involvement in your business? What is, what's the kind of percentage of your, of your, your work work balance <laughs> yeah it's a really good question actually because we do create a lot of content as you said um because we've got the weekly podcasts and, and videos and then uh you know lots of like, weekly blog posts as well and social content yeah from my i guess in an ideal world i always kind of expected it to be kind of 50 percent in the nuts and bolts of supporting the team with serving the clients and everything like that, kind of spending my mornings working you know, with the team and what's going on with the operations and delivery. And then my afternoons 
on the business, which I included content. So kind of, you know how you say in and on. So like in in the morning and on in the afternoon. And then that would be a bit, that would be a mix of more strategic um, work as well as um, content creation. But actually doesn't always go as you planned, does it? So um, it, it, it probably isn't quite in that way. I would say that my the percentage of my time that I spend on content that we create and put out that is derives from me because it'll be the podcast or video I don't know it's probably about um maybe about 20 to 30 percent of my time actually um which is quite a lot I guess when you think about an average week and the amount of time on content versus other things you need to do as a business but I think it's really important I think it is my role you know, my role in the business. And I want it to be more than that, actually. I, I do kind of want it to be 50-50, to be honest, because um, my role is like the content creation and the, you know, trying to be out there as, as the thought leader and raising the profile of content repurposing and in turn our business and our brand um, and having a great team that then do all the delivery. So I'd like to get to 50-50, which probably kind of, as I said, kind of more around 20-30% at the moment. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. So at the beginning when you decided, okay, I'm going to get into content repurposing. This is kind of, I'm really curious about it. You started to learn about it and you, you know, start, you got your first client, your first two clients, and you were doing that content purposing yourself. How did you go about getting the rest of your clients? Was it word of mouth or was it the fact that you were promoting and, you know, doing your podcast and promoting content repurposing? Did you write the book first? Like what's the, mm. what's the cadence of what you did that, that drove your, you know, the, the real um, success of your business? Because you work with some really big people. So um, how, did, how did they find you? It's really a um, good question. So the first ever client funnily enough, came from the Youpreneur community, which I, I guess is how we met, actually, isn't it, through Chris mm-hmm. Buffett's Youpreneur community. So you get the first client came from being on a monthly call with Chris in Youpreneur community. And I came in and asked the question, and, and, and the question, you know, highlighted what we did as a business too. And somebody emailed me or, or you know, social media messaged me immediately after that and said, I want to work with you. <laughs> I love what you do. So first client came through that. And I would say that looking back, um, that some of it was the communities that I was in and the fact that I was really fortunate to get some clients through, for example, the Upreneur community, because the first and second client, although the second client actually, funnily enough, was somebody that I met at Social Media Marketing World out in San Diego, um, funnily, just sat next to her during one of the keynotes and we got chatting and then, um, and then you know, took it from there, had a call the week after. So I would say that some of it was is through networking, some of the clients came through um, exactly that, the forums and uh, memberships and things like that. But then it, it 
we've grown a lot through referrals. So it's been massively one referral after another of just people who we work with then letting other people know, which I actually see as a good thing and a bad thing. Well, you know, obviously it's brilliant to do good work and then have our clients tell other people and referrals are brilliant. But then, you know, I also see as an agency somewhat of a weakness that you can't just completely grow on referrals and you do need to have, you know, other ways of bringing in a steady flow of prospects and and leads and, and all of that in ways other than referrals. But it's been mainly that 50, 60% referrals. And the, you know, the I guess what happens is you get to work with some really fantastic people and when they start referring you and when you have the opportunity to let other people know that you work with them through testimonials and on your website and things like that, that draws more people in to become interested in what you do because they think, well, if if that person trusts them, then perhaps I should speak to them and see if I could work with them. But then the other way, of course, is content. So uh, really early on, if I started the business, if I got the first client in May of 2017, 18, yeah, 20, yeah, 17, I think it was. Um, I started the podcast in the September and have been weekly ever since. I've never ever missed a week in all that in all that time, apart from I think like maybe one week where we um missed a week at Christmas. Um, every single week, a new podcast episode, which is repurposed into a blog post every single week, um, you know, which is then turned into social content every single week and so on. So that's a lot of content going out every single week for all that time as well. So some people have found us through um, the organic aspects of the content that we create. And then you asked about the book. So the book, no, that I wrote the book. Um, that was released in 2019, at the very end of 2019, around that kind of um, November time, I think it was. So I've been in business. Remember, remind them of the name of the book. Oh, yeah, Content 10X. It's a, yeah, Content 10X, more content, less time, maximum results. And um, so that was a couple of years after um, I started the business and it took a long time to write as well. So it was kind of a year in the write, in writing, I guess, and then another six months or so to get the manuscript to, out to be a published book. But, but yeah, that opens new avenues, you know, reaching new people and things like that through, through having the book and people getting in touch because they've read the book and things like that. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's a massive lead gen, not as much as perhaps I would have hoped it is, but it's definitely a massive authority builder um, to have done that. But yeah, the, it's a, it, I wish it, there's no, I haven't done any Facebook, any paid ads or anything like that, which is something that I'll probably look into at some point, but it's just been referrals and organic content, to be honest. Uh, how did you, when did you decide to do the book and was it self-published? Did you get a traditional publishing deal or how'd you go about that? Well, it's really funny because the, his name keeps coming up, but it was Chris Ducker's fault <laughs> because he okay. told me to write a book. Um, as in he really, really was like, he wouldn't be kept saying to me, you know, you've got to write a book, you've got to write a book. So I gave in and, and committed and said, okay, Chris, I will write a book. Um, and so it's self-published. Yeah. And, um, and in terms of writing it as well, I just just wanted to mention as well in regards to what we do in repurposing, it, it got to the point where I had over a year's worth of blog posts and that's when I decided to write the book because I felt like I had loads of content that could go into the book. And what I did was I didn't repurpose, nothing kind of lifted and shifted as such, like a, a blog post becoming a chapter, but mm-hmm. the loads and loads of my content was then able to form the basis of, of the book. And then I was able to spot gaps in my content where, um, 
you know, uh, there was something missing in the world of uh, like video repurposing or podcast repurposing or something like that. So I was able to create new content and then repurpose that to become a chapter of the book as well. So there was a lot of kind of trying to make sure that the book made the most of content I already had and anything new that went in the book became more than just something in the book, but became more content. And um I went the self-published route. I got support from somebody who, um, it was actually just a, just somebody in the freelance world who supports people with um, self-publishing books. And it's in Kindle format, paperback. And also I, did, I recorded an audio book as well, which was um, really challenging, actually, even though even as a podcaster, it was really tough um, spending like all those days in a studio recording an audio book version. But um, I, I looked at different routes. I looked at working... Uh, you know trying to work with the publishing house versus the self-published route and just decided it was seemed the kind of quicker and easier route so there were it's really not that complicated there's quite a lot of steps but it's quite simple to get onto the different platforms you know you really do just have to meet the various guidelines in terms of the formatting and things like that of the book and then apply to get it onto Amazon. Didn't have to buy lots of books in advance, didn't have to do anything like that. And it's on other places too, um, Barnes and Noble online and various other places that you can um, request for them to sell your books. We went through a bit of a process of making sure that it could be in as many places as possible. Uh, I guess the only downside of a self-published book is um, you don't just walk into, um, you know, I'd say Waterstones for the UK, but does Borders still exist? I'm not sure if Borders yeah, exist. But, probably. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. Barnes, yeah. Barnes and Noble, yeah. You can't just walk in, I suppose, and see them on the shelf in the same way that you would um, if you'd gone through a, a, a tr- more traditional publishing route. But I think uh, most people buy online these days anyway, don't they? So um, it, seemed they like the best, it seemed like the best and simplest route to follow. When you publish a book, you, if you go the self-published route, you can always decide at some point that you want um, to convert it to a you know traditional publishing with a publishing house, so it's something that I might consider further down the line actually, just to get it into some of the shops as well. Um, but that's what I did um, at that point in time. I was really just trying to um, get something out there to help people who don't you know aren't in the category of working with us, so they're not going to have it done for them. But then, how can I help them best to do it themselves? And that was the real uh, drive for it because. I really thought about all the content that I create, the weekly podcasts and blog posts and things like that. And it's all for the done for done by you, like the DIY uh, audience really helping them. Um, but the, the next step for them with my business was, well, are you suitable for our services? Which quite often it was a it was a completely different like, you know, avatar, as you would say. But like the people listening to the podcast and blog posts aren't necessarily going to be the people who'd be interested in our service. There wasn't anything else to offer them. Um, apart from, you know, more free content. So it felt like a really, um, really good thing to do and filling a gap in what what I offer in the business to say, well, actually, the next step is, why don't you get a copy of the book? So that was really one of the key drivers for doing the book to address the gap of helping people who want to do it for themselves or, or want to do it in-house and can give it to the content managers or the social media managers and that kind of thing. That was one of the things that I remember Chris saying, and I, I think I actually remember the call or when we when he recommended that you do a book but um one of the things that i remember him saying about his own business is that when he wrote virtual freedom he did that after um he uh had been 
getting really active and and developing content and stuff like that. And he said that if there was someone asked him if there was one regret that he had in in how he went about his business, what would he have changed? And he said, I would have published my book earlier because I've developed this whole, whole audience and I didn't have anything any place for them to send them or anything to give them. And then I developed the book later and I was able to drive them to that book. But if I'd had the book in the beginning, it would have been, I, I would have progressed faster. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I remember him saying that as well. Yeah, he did. He, he slightly got the ordering wrong, didn't he, in terms of when, when he, well, looking back, he wished he'd done it differently. Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. Well, you, you said one thing that I, I resonated with myself because I've done it the same way, which is, you know, I just, when I made my, my um, commitment to YouTube, I published a video every week for four years without mi- missing a single week. And you said that you, you know, when you were doing your podcast for, you know, two or three years, I can't remember what you said, um, that you did, never missed a week. And that level of consistency, I think, is so critical in building an audience. And number one, I applaud you for that consistency and that dedication. Um, but when you went about that, did you say, okay, I'm going to, did you set a timeline for yourself and say, I'm going to publish every week with no fail? Or did you just, did that just kind of happen by your force of, you know, determination or was that something you laid out for yourself? It it was, um, when I first launched the podcast, I was playing around with, should I just launch a season and say, this is season one of the Content 10X podcast and just commit to something like, 12 or 15 or 20 episodes because if you say it's a season it just feels like it's it's easy to just do an episode and say well that wraps up season one (laughs) and and so I was kind of playing around with oh should I shouldn't I should I shouldn't I and I think I I just gave myself a good talking to and said no Amy just commit like don't if you do that you're kind of giving yourself the option to wrap up the season just commit um, and just say that this is weekly and make it weekly for as as long as you know you can do that. So uh, yeah, I just made that commitment. I think um, I was very bought into, and I still am extremely bought into the power of episodic content um, of having uh, having an episode and exactly as you do. You know, I mean, wow, you know, I applaud you as well. Like you know, for the your consistency is incredible, and um, there's just so many benefits to it, isn't there? There's um, you grow an audience, I believe much you know faster and and just you grow the right audience if you are episodic 
and you have that consistency of something coming out, you know, same time, same place every week, all of that. Um, but people are more like people get used to, people know what to expect. You can build, it's like a, your favourite TV show, you can build a fan base. People are more likely to subscribe because they can see that mm-hmm. this is a weekly thing. Um, and I just felt like if you, it, you know, it, like our client, Jay Bear, makes me laugh because he says random acts of content. And he says, you know, if you commit to random acts of content, you know, that's not going to um, serve you very well. You know, random acts of content, you're not going to grow an audience in that way. So it felt like a really important commitment. And also, I think more than anything, what I was bearing in mind is practicing what I preach. Because if I say that, that I think that's what you need to do. And also because when clients work with us, they have to have weekly content too, as a minimum. We we repurpose a weekly video or a weekly podcast. So I wanted to also empathize and understand what it took our clients Mm. to get something to us weekly so that we could best serve them and I I could help them and I could have true empathy for what it means to record something every week and learning about batching up and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I I really just said, I've got to do this. I've got to practice what I preach. I've got to commit and let's just give this a go. Um, And I'm sure you're the same. Like, you, you know, sometimes you do think maybe I should just call it quits maybe I should do something different maybe I should move it to monthly or fortnightly or something like that but so far every time I've just talked myself out and said no keep going (laughs) I had to I actually did something it was very very painful to do but in the last four months I was developing my first course so I launched brand strategy 101 which is my first course delivered live and it's a it's a huge undertaking developing a signature course and so I had to take a break from YouTube and my podcast and my newsletter I basically announced to everybody I said you know for the next three or four months I'm going dark because I'm I'm developing a piece of content and value that's really important. And it was, but it I swear to God, it was the hardest thing I ever did to yeah. not publish that first video after four years on a Monday. It was it was torturous. And now that I've taken a break for for so long, I'm now delivering the course, but I'm I'm I've got to get back into it. And I feel rusty. Actually, it's kind of weird. When people want to work with you, though, you said I think you said that they have to have. Um, because they, I'm, I'm sure they work with you on retainer, right? Yeah, so exactly. You have yeah. you have a certain amount of money you're charging them every month. You're delivering a certain amount of repurposed content, so they have to either have a podcast or a YouTube channel. Are there other? Are they writers? If there are there people who are just writers who do blogging that you repurpose, or is it mostly? Um, podcast and video content yeah it so it, we used to have um three services we used to have blog 10x podcast 10x and video 10x and it was exactly that you your core content will be a blog a podcast or a video and not necessarily a video for youtube um some of them may just be doing a weekly video that goes on their website and say on that they want it repurposing onto facebook instagram linkedin that kind of thing um otherwise yeah you're know, like youtube um weeklies but we stopped the uh, blog 10x so we actually only do like the video in the podcast repurposing now um really just demand like there wasn't there weren't as many people coming to us who wanted us wanted the blog 10x service um us just trying to streamline and simplify things down a bit as a business and then also because it's 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 more, it, say the word easier, well, yeah, it's it's easier to repurpose videos and audio than it is just starting with the written word, because obviously there's not those multiple dimensions to um, the written word. With, with video, you've always got audio, 
you've always got the opportunity to turn that into written content by turning the, the video into a blog post. And then, you know, you've got the option of creating visuals from it and all, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, a blog, it's kind of like trying to work that up. How do we turn a blog post into video content and a visual content and things like that? So it's possible. But um, just really, you know, to, to streamline what we offered, we only offer those two, but we have one service which is specifically called LinkedIn 10x and that's mm. designed specifically to help people become the leading authority in their industry on LinkedIn so that starts with video that is creating video content for LinkedIn but then um you know I don't want to go into loads of detail because I don't want it to sound like a sales pitch but um it's like video for LinkedIn that then becomes a podcast and blog post but then other content for LinkedIn LinkedIn posts LinkedIn articles that kind of thing so we we got rid of the blog 10x in favor of this new LinkedIn 10x um, service that we offered in instead one of the things that I noticed I mean and I was very conscious of the of the repurposing piece when I started my YouTube channel because I I knew that I knew that uh, you know, I'd be able to get audio, I'd be able to get blog posts, I'd be able to get, you know, video or podcast out of a video. But one of the things that I realized when I started taking my videos and having them transcribed on Rev and then wanting to turn them into blog posts, I realized very quickly that even though my videos were only 10 minutes long and they're very succinct, that even if you transcribe that, it doesn't come across as an article. Like a, a spoken word does not translate to the way an article reads. And so I initially rewrote some of my um, blog posts that came from my, my transcribed videos, and it took a tremendous amount of effort. And I eventually ended up hiring a copywriter who actually would flush them out and add context and examples and backlinks and things like that to make them real kind of meaty articles. But I realized that it wasn't just a plug and play, like get a rev transcription and then post it on my blog. I had to do a significant amount of editing to really make it feel like an article. Mm -hmm. How do you guys handle that when it comes to repurposing video content for your clients? Exactly how you just said. So, you know, it's, oh, a, really? it's a really time consuming process for the copywriters. It yeah. Is. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not um, at all. We don't even pull off a transcript. We just, it, it is literally copywriter listening to the entire episode, you know, making oh, notes, okay. notes, working out what the key points are and um, what the flow of the article should be. Like, like you said, um, you don't speak how you write. So, if you want to call it a transcript, you can call it a transcript, tidy it up, take out all the little typos and things like that, call it a transcript. But if you want to call it a blog post or an article, then it has to be that, doesn't it? And it can't be a transcript. And even just things like, as you mentioned, like tidying it up, um, adding more context, adding examples, adding analogies, you know, blog posts need to start with a um, a, a hook they need to have a good clear call to action it, if you're speaking you might say something in a completely different order that logically the article should present that information because you think of something at the end that's way more relevant to something that was said at the start so that should come up to the top and that should be mentioned with that so it's not a simple process at all I think it can sometimes be um a, li a little bit underestimated just how much time it can take to you know, really like repurpose a video or a podcast into a well-written, um, helpful for SEO, but not keyword stuff, but decent like SEO focused 
um, mm. like succinct, you know, to the point, following great like copywriting, you know, guidelines and trends and things like that. Um, it can easily take half a day to turn a 10 or 15 minute video into a really good, well-written blog post. So, so that's what we do. And, and from, um, from a, like, I guess, an SEO perspective, if the articles are going on your website, if you do just put a transcript on your website and, you know, get something from Rev or Otter AI and just um, tidy it up, it's not going to really help you that much with SEO at all because it isn't written in the correct way that the bots the bots would just not pick that up as a quality piece of content it wouldn't be you know keyword specific and it wouldn't be mm. um really that beneficial so with a transcript all you're really doing is offering someone an alternative to watching the video where you can read it word for word but to me i, I just feel the alternative should be um you know well something really well written and, and succinct clear concise ordered in the right way structured properly good start good finish and all of that so like you said like you, as you picked up it's it's not straightforward and that's why I suppose when you know in in our line of work sometimes when you see AI and you say you know sign up to this new service where it's something dollars a month to repurpose your um, audio or videos into a brilliant blog post for your website and you kind of think well there's no human involvement there look at that price that that's obviously AI and then it then it's like you kind of think well I'm not necessarily threatened by it because it's just a completely different proposition really and you know you're not getting it's not comparing like for like it you know apples and pears kind of thing so um each to their own but to do it properly um you've really got to do it as you said um do it really well and write a really decent article from it so you mentioned your new service of linkedin 10x which i think is awesome because i'm always encouraging creative professionals to make better use of linkedin because that's where business people are and that's where they are connecting with their service providers so i think that that's fantastic i want to learn more about that myself actually and um but because you are so singularly focused on content repurposing what do you see on the horizon? What's trending? What's new in content repurposing? Is it kind of, oh, is it still what it's always been? Or is there any kind of movements or changes in how it's happening that you think are noteworthy people should know about? I don't, it's, it's challenging, really. I'm not really sure about things on the kind of the content repurposing horizon. I mean, as I said, um, like I just mentioned about automation, there's there's you do see more and more automated repurposing tools coming out um just today mm. i'm a subscriber to a newsletter called pod news if uh, people who have podcasters it's great and one of the articles there was you know a new um new bot that will turn podcast episodes into audiograms really quickly and things like that so i think there's a lot of advancement in that area and I don't think, I think there's kind of pros and cons um, in terms of it's great if you can have like lower price tools that help you really quickly repurpose certain content into different things. I just think that you need to be really careful with quality and context because again, um, say for example, when we're snipping down a video or a podcast into something short for social media, um, you know, we're, we're listening to it and kind of intelligently picking out, wow, that was an amazing point and it needs to start exactly when he says that and it needs to finish when he says that and that will have impact. That That's humans. <laughs> it's like, you know, something yeah. automated. It's just going to try and pick out the end of a sentence and the start of a sentence and, you know, and you can't expect anything more than that really. Um, so I think there is like maybe there's a lot of, there's a lot of like tools and things like that. So I, I'm not saying there's anything 
like wrong with giving them a try. But I think, you know, you just have to be careful in terms of still maintaining quality on platforms and still having kind of context and not just buying into things that very quickly like slicing and dicing and slap down content that's going out for your brand that may not be necessarily the best quality. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just think, I just see a big movement towards a lot more video content, actually. I think that during the pandemic, people have become more used to creating video content and not necessarily, I don't even mean pre-recorded video content or you know YouTube videos. I even mean just doing Zoom calls and things like that. So people are more used to being on camera than they ever were before, even the most... Um, you know, like, I guess, like camera shy people after a year of, of Zoom calls and, and, and you know. You're like, you, all right, yeah. Yeah, I can deal with watching myself on <laughs> exactly. camera now. Zoom fatigue. And um, even just people in positions where you would have maybe face-to-face trained or taught someone something or things like that, and you're suddenly used to doing a quick video tutorial and, you know, jumping on the camera. I think I've seen more people start to therefore embrace actually I think I could do it. I, I don't mind it that much. I'm used to speaking more on a camera. Um, maybe I could start creating video content. So I've seen more people willing to give it a try and people who thought they were camera shy actually thinking that, that, that um, seeing the power of it and seeing that it could be something mm. they could do. And as I always say, I think video content is the very top of the pyramid when it comes to what what you know repurposing because there's just so many angles that you can play out when you start with the video so i've seen more people realize that if they can overcome fear and shyness and all of that they can create video content they'll start right at the top and then they'll have all the repurposing opportunities that then trickle down from it and more people starting to therefore embrace that as well and start with that in mind, right? I'm doing video because, you know, I'm thinking that it can become X, Y, Z as well. Uh, so that I think that's the main thing that I'm seeing in the kind of content world, that like, more people willing to embrace video. Well, this has been a great conversation. I always end my interviews with a fairly deep question that I usually give my um, give my guests a heads up that I'm going to ask beforehand, and I didn't. I forgot to tell you. So, do you have a manifesto or a mantra that you try to live your life by? Probably have a few. Actually, I'd say one of them is like a saying that's always stuck in my head, which is um, "change what you can't accept and accept what you can't change." Um, mm. And I, I I think I kind of, I'm really kind of strongly believe in that. I'm the kind of person that if you can't change something, then just accept it. Like we couldn't change the, the things going on with the pandemic, that we were in lockdown, things like that. Find a place in your brain, like a way to accept it because you can't change it and, you know, and em- embrace and move on and be positive. And then the flip side or change what you can't accept. So if you can't accept something and it's burning you up inside and it's really frustrating, you don't carry on not accepting it. Like, so change what you can't accept and accept what you can't change. Um, I'd say that, yeah, if I could choose one thing, I always think that way. I've thought that way in the last challenging year about everything that's gone on and I have changed what I can change and I've accepted what I can't change. (laughs) So yeah, I'd say that. (laughs) I love that. That's fantastic. So how would you like people to contact you if they need to get in touch? Um, It's super simple, actually, because I'm at Content10x on all of the social media platforms. 
Um, so that's easy to find. Or otherwise, just head on over to the website again, content10x, so content10x.com. Um, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate you coming on the Brand Design Masters podcast. And I encourage anyone who's interested in content repurposing to get in touch with Amy because she is a rock star. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been fantastic. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.